When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. It is late December, end of the year. Happy holidays to all the listeners of Pod Like a Raven. All I want for Christmas is the Ravens to be able to convert a two-point conversion. This week, we recap the Ravens' nail-biting loss to the Green Bay Packers and preview their division stretch run on Pod Like a Raven. Yeah, it's been another... Another tough Monday for, for the crew here. Uh, I'm Antonio Barbera. And we're going to have to break down yet another game where seemed like the Ravens shouldn't be in it. Seems like they shouldn't be involved in a close contest. It was just pack it up, go home, take the loss. Instead, it's the miracle comeback punctuated negatively with the two-point conversion attempt that went wrong again and we have to talk about it so i'm going to bring in my co-hosts here starting on the west coast jace evans jace uh i mean how are you doing are you okay are you surviving are you just looking to the new year fresh start well how you doing over there uh i'm shockingly good uh antonio i would say um i think perhaps part of that is uh due to um this team is uh turning me into the joker i'm embracing chaos uh uh i'm losing my mind and so i'm just leaning into the curve i think um it's shocking it's shocking that this team good for content but it's shocking to me that we have so much to discuss with this team every week when seemingly as you said there shouldn't be much to say this looked like you know pretty much how i thought this game was going to go for large stretches of the second half, and then suddenly the Ravens are presented with a chance to win uh, right at the very end and do not. So, uh, a, a whirlwind of emotions. I think I'm doing okay, relatively, um, but I, I I can't believe we're doing this again. I mean, twice in three weeks, we lost in the exact same way. That seems impossible. And yet, here we are. On the East Coast, Tim Horsey. Tim, am I asking for too much for Christmas? Is, is it, I, you know... Is this an, a gift that I'm just never going to get? Uh, yes. <laughs> it is. Yeah, I mean, look, Antonio, it's the hope that kills you, right? We came into this game at zero expectations. Tyler Huntley comes in, and I just went, all right, well, let's try and enjoy this for what it is. At the very least, we get to watch Aaron Rodgers play football, which, even when it is against your own team, is a blessing a lot of the time. Um, and then the Ravens, as they so just love to do, Every single week, take your heart like Patrick Swayze in Roadhouse, 
go through your chest, grab it. Now nah, it's the throat, I know. D- d- details, you get it. Rip it out of your chest, hold it in the palm of their hand, gently squeeze, and then crush it with their nails, um, just leaving you lifeless and soulless on the floor of your apartment, watching them fail on another two-point conversion um, with a backup quarterback playing against the best team in the league. Shouldn't have been in the game. They're in the game anyway. So all things considered, even with that incredibly dark image, I'm doing okay. Uh, I think actually there are more positives to take out of this game than negatives. So let's get into it. That was poetry from from Tim Horsey there. Uh, I, I, I like that very much. You both have framed this perfectly, I, I think, for us and for probably 75% of Ravens fans out there. Oh the situation was dire for the Ravens offensively and defensively with their what the state of their roster is, even added a few uh, COVID, uh, you know, testing positive COVID contacts before the game started. So even fewer Ravens are available for this game. Some names on this roster by the start of the game were uh, fantastic. Tony Jefferson, who we announced last week, signed to the practice squad. He played in this game. Guy hasn't played football in years, and he was just on the field week one, six days, five days after he was signed by the Ravens. So the situation was, let's just enjoy a football game, try to relax a little bit, uh, and whatever fun, cool things happen, uh, we take them as positives and we move on to the division stretch. And instead, we were treated, dare I say treated, to a performance from Tyler Huntley, who for me, unbelievably impressed, impressed in this game, considering the situation of the roster around him, considering his preparation. He's a backup quarterback, obviously, hasn't had as many reps. And he was fantastic. And we get into a game where the first drive... He looks good, and the offense looks good. It's 14 plays and 70 yards. It takes seven minutes on the clock. We don't need to get into the fact that they end up just turning the ball over on downs because they can't get another fourth down uh, and short, but they have a strong first drive. The defense forces forces a three and out uh, on their first drive, and then it becomes a show of Tyler Huntley v. Aaron Rodgers. They're they're back and forth with touchdown drives, and we... the, the text thread, it was, uh, I will admit, it was notably quieter than, than other weeks from all three of us because I think we had accepted what this game was going to be. And instead, we started getting a few teaser texts back and forth of like, what, what is happening here? Why is Huntley making us care? He's dr- just when I thought I was out, Tyler Huntley drags me back in. So we have to start with this performance from him, really not just in the first half, but the whole game. Touchdown drives, early poise, late, no turnovers, he's accurate, he's hitting Mark Andrews, who's double covered in the tiny windows. Compared to how this guy looked in that Bears game a few weeks ago, where he was the the surprise start, it looks like a different quarterback. And it's only been four weeks, three games for for him, and I just was so impressed with him. Uh, I want to hear your guys' thoughts on uh, on his performance in this this matchup. I mean, look, let's... Let's be real, I think, and this is a, more of a conversation for the offseason, but Lamar Jackson hasn't played a full season in the last two years now, and it shows how important maybe it is having that backup quarterback and a guy who is essentially a clone if it was like, you know, here's a nerdy reference, uh, you know, the Fox X-Men versus what the MCU is. Like, it's not as good, <laughs> but it's still about the same stuff. He's still... 
got, you know, he has the agility. He can make plays with his feet. I mean, that, that final drive, making tons of plays with his feet, getting first downs left and right. I thought he showed incredible poise. I think the biggest thing, Antonio, you referenced the Chicago game. I think of the Browns game when he came in with uh, last week with some game-breaking turnovers, some turnovers that, if you think about it, cost them that football game uh, with some other factors. And we didn't see that this time. He was he was clean. He was making decisions. He was very early Lamar Jackson where it's, let's just throw it to Mark Andrews. There's Mark Andrews. Here's Mark Andrews again. Hey, Mark Andrews, what's up? And we'll talk about how good he was and how he has been absolutely incredible after some early doubts earlier in the year. Um, but I think Huntley is in this perfect role for him, and I'm really happy for him too because I, I think ideally he is a perfect backup for the Ravens. Obviously, he's going to have more ambitions than that, and you hope maybe down the line, and this is being very cynical, business-like Eric DaCosta GM thinking, maybe you can swindle some team to give you a second-round pick, maybe even a late first if he ends up being really, really good and some team is quarterback desperate in a draft that doesn't have any quarterbacks. You turn that into an asset that helps you more games out of the year. But yeah, overall, that's future talk. Overall, I thought Huntley was incredibly impressive. Um, you know, we're smart, so we're not going to do the debate about his should he start over Lamar Jackson when healthy because that's completely ridiculous. But I was very, very impressed. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that, Tim, because one of the few things I wrote down to myself during this game, I usually just jot notes down. But as Antonio said, uh, kind of stopped about halfway through the game because I thought it was going a certain way. Uh, one of the things I wrote down was, are we as a Ravens fan base here about to have the dumbest QB controversy in the NFL uh, is a thing I wrote to myself in the first half of this game because, you know, I've we've been fans of this team for a long time. We remember there's a vo- there was a very vocal, small but vocal segment of this fan base who wanted Tyron Taylor to start um, when he hadn't seen any time on the field. There was no evidence he was good Chase, at all. Chase, quickly, quickly, just to emphasize that point before you continue. Antonio and I went to the Browns game a couple weeks ago that they won, and there was a dude in front of us calling for Tyler Huntley, like, and being completely serious about It was about not this. ironic. It was not sarcastic. None of those words. 100% serious. Uh, yeah, so that was just the immediate thought that entered my mind, is I, I've, see, I've seen uh, dumber QB conversations occur in this fan base, uh, with frankly far worse quarterbacks than what, at least for what we see with Tyler Huntley, I was very impressed. Uh, certainly on, on Sunday, um, Antonio and you guys, Tim, you've said it too. Just the poise, I think, was the number one thing. Uh, from not turning the ball over to to to, to not panicking when you're down 14 in the fourth quarter, uh, fourth quarter to the Green Bay Packers. I was just very impressed with him. Um, I do think there's things, and we'll get more into uh, obviously the two point conversion try later, but. Um, Certainly, I think some things with him uh, are maybe perhaps simplified, obviously, than when Lamar is in there. For both good and ill, I think. I think with Huntley, you saw a lot of this play is designed to go to this person, and I'm going to take my two steps and fire and, uh, you know, take this four-yard completion. And perhaps Lamar Jackson, you know, we've kind of complained about that. Could he do that more? Almost certainly. But he tries to, you know, make bigger plays out of it. But I thought they kept things pretty simple. Um... I thought, on the whole, uh, Greg Roman, I think, had a good game plan. Uh, I know we bagged on him a lot, uh, but, you know, this was the, the first time we've scored 30 points in seemingly months. Um, this was the the first time, you, you mentioned the early play, the first time the Ravens have gotten a first quarter touchdown um, uh, since October. 
So there was a lot of impressive early, and I just was a big fan of how they just really came out of the gate and set the tone. I know it would have been nice to get some points on that opening drive, but you could kind of view it. Uh, the defense gets a three and out, and then that second drive, as you uh, said, they turn into points. So it worked out in the end, but it was just such a solid start, and I, it was just a really encouraging performance from your backup QB as the whole, especially, you know, just given how – injured this team is i mean we saw david sharp play right tackle for a large majority of this game um after tyree phillips uh unfortunately went down with an, another injury so that's your fourth string right tackle for those keeping track at home from the start of the year um and uh yeah um but but despite all that i thought it was a pretty impressive game and i thought huntley obviously was the focal point with a big assist obviously to mark andrews <laughs> Huntley finishes this game 28 of 40 for 215 passing yards, two touchdowns, 73 yards on the ground, and two other touchdowns. I, I the, the point is well taken that he was doing the uh, simplified first read passing offense. 13 targets to Mark Andrews, 14 targets to Hollywood Brown. They each had 10 catches. Uh... A Hollywood stat line is one of my favorite of the season. It's 14 targets, 10 receptions, 43 yards. And that's just, you're doing, you're doing the dirty work uh, when you're averaging 4.3 yards per reception. Um, but that was who, you know, it, it, those were the two guys he was looking to, and it was effective as, as the 60-minute game. I, I, I laughed at a certain point late. It may have been the last drive or one of the, one of the last drives. Troy Aikman is analyzing and saying, he's mid-sentence saying, if you're the Packers, you know, you have to guard Andrews and Brown. He's only been looking to Andrews, and before he finishes the sentence, Huntley rifles a pass to Andrews in double coverage for a first down. So it was simplified, certainly, but effective, and he showed, you know, poison and calmness when they were down by 14 points, and gosh, brought them all the way back in a position to tie this game and we can talk defensively later, but let's do the two point conversion. Now um, the Ravens have made it a 31 to 30 game and we all start sweating and trying to decide what the Ravens are going to do here. And they decide to go for two. So I have a couple of things to say about this and then I want to hear your guys's, uh, your guys's points here. But my only issue at the time, you know, you get excited, go for two, try to take the win. You have a backup quarterback. Great. The play call is what maybe we can have issue with because they once again roll the quarterback. And I say the quarterback because it was Huntley in this instance. I think previously they've done it with Lamar and with Huntley other times. They roll him out and it creates a play where, yes, he's running away from the rush immediately. Yes, it's going to simplify what he has to look at. But it gets into a situation where he really has one option, or he's only going to look at one option. So I want to scream and shout that it's a bad play call and that they should be doing something else, like run QB power to the left or right, which I have said uh, a dozen times. But when you look at a replay of that two-point conversion, Hollywood Brown, simple like drag route, is wide open. He's wide open. Puts his hand up, maybe, you know, he could have done it before the play was over as opposed to after the play was over. But it's a designed play that has your number one wide receiver wide open in the middle of the end zone. So I, can I really yell at Roman for a bad play call when it worked? In, in essence, it's just that Huntley really was just sort of laser 
focused on Andrews from the start of that play to the end and threw it into super double coverage. So that's my frustration there. Um, And I'm going to stop there. So I'm going to turn to you guys now on the decision to go for it, given the, you know, game and situation, home versus away, Huntley versus Lamar, and the play call itself. Uh, Start with Tim here. Tim, what did you think of uh, overall the the two-point conversion there? I mean, excuse me, simply, I like the decision. I hate the play call. And the play call comes, and and everybody is going, well, you have Justin Tucker. He's a weapon. That's great. Yes, you give Aaron Rodgers 40 seconds. Well, if the game's tied, maybe they just go to overtime. No, Aaron Rodgers is going to pick on Kevon Seymour and win that football game. That Unless Mason Crossbar, Mason Crossbars, which, you know, maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't. You go to overtime, Aaron Rodgers gets the ball first. He's going to pick on Kevon Seymour or um, uh, number 17, sorry. Something Jackson. (laughs) Robert Jackson, that guy, whoever that guy is. And Devontae Adams is on the other side of the field. I'm sorry. Like, I I just, I like trying to end the game there. Now, now let's expand. First of all, and shout out to our friend Ryan Wormley. I hope he's listening. I love him to death. Um, uh, One of our former classmates i guess at at maryland is what you would put there did horse in the worm with him back in the day shout out ryan um he made a great point just i how much i miss having a guy like gus edwards there the all-time short yardage back or like a jk dobbins i believe luke jackson who's another terp shout out terps mentioned to ryan as well that jk dobbins i think was two for two on fourth down conversions last year in plays that involved him any sort of offensive line. Jason's giving me the, oh, God, that would be so nice face. Like like he's looking at a delicious burger that could be but isn't there. I just wish we had those options there. I, I love the, the thought of the QB power. Um, for me, look, Antonio, I'm willing to secede to you on the play call. Uh, I admittedly have watched back the highlights a little bit. I haven't really deep dived into that final play. But in the moment... I didn't see the Hollywood thing. I don't know if it was across the middle or something, but it looks like it's just Andrews. And here's the other part problem I have with it. This has been mentioned by other people. It's not an original thought. They do the they do the extra or the fake two point conversion where they're trying to get him to jump off sides to make it maybe make it on the inch line, whatever it is. Not a bad idea um, unless your guy jumps off sides, which you know the Ravens have done plenty this year or false start, excuse me. So a bit of a risk doesn't hurt them. Whatever. Then they run over right. It's Huntley, it's, um, I think it's just Huntley and Mark Andrews run over to Harbaugh. If I'm the Packers defensive coordinator, I'm going, it's going to the only other player on the field who's running over to the head coach right now. Target him. On the play, you watch the safety. The safety, as the ball is being snapped to Huntley, runs to the corner where Mark Andrews is going. They know this the entire time where this ball is going, even if there is a second option there. They know what's happening. It's telegraphed. It's a bad play call. I said it already, even with the fight back and the, the moral victory that this was, I think this is the I think there's just more nails being driven into the Greg Roman coffin. The, the, you know, I just I think they just need to move on and do something different at this point. It's not that he's bad, he's just the same. And there just needs to be something else. And the only other thing with this, and, and it this is like looking at the Zapruder film and what have you, but the 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 tape has been released from the Ravens and they did this whole you know, they're mic'd up stuff, which is really cool. But they have one with Harbaugh, and he's talking to everybody. And he basically is talking to Huntley, talking about when we score this, cool, give your guy confidence. Are we going to go for two? Do you want to go for two? 
It's not old Johnny Harbaugh that look, it's not the famous hell yeah, coach, let's go for it. All right, we're going for it clip from Seattle two years ago. It is way more tentative from both Huntley and Harbaugh himself. And that makes me think, you know, I like that he's talking to his guys. I love that about John. He wants John, Jesus, Coach Harbaugh, sorry. I love that he like wants the input of the players as well. And you love that they have confidence. And I still, again, with all of this being said, I think it's the right call in the moment. But the play call is atrocious and you telegraphed it to such a degree that it was never going to work yeah the uh, the Packers pretty much said as much that they knew Andrews was like getting the ball there and that's kind of I think also a product of how how the game had gone to that point but uh I'm with uh you guys pretty much unanimously I think it was a horrible play call and now the Ravens are just two for eight on two-point conversions this year um and both of those conversions occurred against the Colts (laughs) so outside of one game when they had a miraculous comeback, they haven't converted a two point conversion this year, but I would have just loved to Tim's point on having Gus Edwards back there. Like even Latavius Murray was banging some bodies in this game. I would have like, I feel like loved it just way more. If you just, you line up, you go, but you go jumbo heavy and just try to run your biggest, your heaviest running back into the end zone. I would have liked that more than the play they came up with. Cause I agree. I think it was, um, you know, too too telegraphed, too locked in to to Andrews and 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 the argument like, too, Jay. Sorry, the argument too of like I I hear the people that go, well, you're rolling them out and it's cutting the field in half. But then the detractors say, well, you have to make it simple for your backup quarterback. My two issues with that: one, if you want to make it simple for your backup quarterback, just run the effing ball. Just get the big guys in there and just hope it happens. Then you go in the locker room and say, you know what? We tried the short yardage thing. You know, we got, you don't say that we have the backup, but you imply that it's not Lamar back there making the plays. Or the dude's balling out. Give him the whole field. Let him see if he can figure something out. He was, he was on fire. It's just, continue. I'm sorry. I don't mean to jump on you, but that part just drives me insane. Yeah, well, we, we the group chat, some of my high school buddies, we, we had talking. Uh, there, there was some talk about Tyler Huntley being Zoolander because he kept not running to the left when there were seemingly uh, opportunities until he scored uh, the touchdown that brought it within seven, threw everyone off the set. But uh, I get your point, Tim. I, 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 yeah, I there were so many things about the play call that disturbed me. But I did like the thought process of going for two in the win. I think even more so than I did... Um, against the Steelers two weeks ago. And I actually supported it then too, just because it is Aaron Rodgers. Like I have way less faith in the Ravens stopping Aaron Rodgers, given their injury situation than even them stopping, you know, Ben Roethlisberger in overtime, you know, two weeks ago, even though the Steelers were rolling in that game, like Rodgers just had whatever he wanted for large stretches of this game. And honestly, one of the two drives the Ravens <laughs> forced a three and out on was more a product of Rodgers kind of just missing an open Devonte Adams than anything the Ravens did. Um, so he, I, I just had no faith in them winning the game. And it just, it's so frustrating. Uh, you mentioned Ryan uh, earlier, Tim, he had another good tweet about how all this just annoying discourse about these two point conversions would disappear if the Ravens ever converted one. <laughs> And that would have been nice to not have to do this again, certainly, uh, if they could get the two point there. But I, I think it was just, I don't, I can't get myself in the head of any fan who says, like, that two point is, like, why they lost the game. Because you're just jumping to so many conclusions about things that just seemed so improbable. And that's more or less, like, what John Harbaugh said after the game. Like, he just, he was like, you know, it felt like we had the best chance to win. And, 
that is the goal is to win and so i don't get why just getting to overtime to maybe give yourself like the stats said a 51 percent chance to win in overtime versus the two point or whatever um you know you have a chance to win and there's no guaranteeing they would win with that as you mentioned that much time left i, I just was so supportive of the decision um but we need better two-point plays and i think as you said that does speak to an overall greg roman problem we've kind of harped on on this show yeah having andrews uh, on the sideline talking to harbaugh <sighs> and then the play call is squeeze the field as max as, as much as you possibly can and then throw it to andrews imagine if they had that formation and instead ran it to the opposite side of the playmaker who was just talking to the head coach on the sideline you know some little tweaks and and tricks you can do tim you mentioned the safety on the play Uh, i just pulled it up as as we were talking here he does absolutely bite on the route sprints to andrews as the ball is snapped and that is the reason that hollywood is wide open he essentially runs straight through that space that is now vacant but huntley unable to uh, unable to see him and hit him for what would have been a, a simple game winner. The only other thing I want to add to this play, and I hope you guys, <laughs> I hope you guys don't yell at me about it. Um, I was in favor of going for it. I was in favor of trying to win the game based on who you're playing, what the scenario is. But something I think the Ravens did poorly in prepping for this, or not prepping, but was maybe adjusting to the timeout situation because there is that sound there's a sound bite from like the drive before or when Huntley's on the sideline and Harbaugh goes over to talk to him and sort of teases the idea of going for two if they're able to you know make it a one-point game so that conversation has already been had they're discussing going for two when that final drive starts they have all three timeouts uh which in my mind puts you heavily in favor of going for two because even if it fails you can then still have three timeouts to try to get the ball back with whatever you can get, 20 seconds, 30 seconds left on the clock, and try to kick a super long Justin Tucker field goal. But by the time they get the touchdown, they no longer have three timeouts. It's 42 seconds, but they don't have the three timeouts. And it makes it a situation where I wonder if you could then consider this is truly a one-point or a one-play game. There is no chance to get the ball back, even though there's 42 seconds. It's just something... I mean, this is like the most hindsighty on hindsighty conversation, but I do wonder the difference of having three timeouts versus less than that when making an attempt for this for the game when there's 42 seconds left. But well, Antonio, real quickly, sorry too, just before we move off of this because I think it is it is the big topic here. But I think the other thing too, and Jace brought this up in in our planning rundown, and I think it's interesting as well. You know, John, it's Johnny Analytics now, and since 2019, it's go for the 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 fourth down conversion. It's now we have guys like Brandon Staley who are just going to go into the press conference, and every media member is going to oogle over them because they have stats, and everybody loves stats. But and I get the percentages, and I think Harbaugh in his post game presser was talking about, well, it's a 50 percent chance here compared to this, yada yada, what have you. It's a, a, a Slightly better chance to win, so we're going to go for it. But this isn't the Ravens with all their talent. You know what I mean? And the Ravens are 2-8 and eight on two-point tries this year. First of all, they've done it eight times, which is insane to me. <laughs> two of eight, and both of those came against the Colts in that comeback when they were a little bit healthier than they are now. 
at some point, you know, it's that we say this, it's the Jimmy's and Joe's, not the X's and O's. Like at some point you have to go and I, I'm, I'm here to hear the both arguments. And again, this is coming from a, I agree with the decision thing. I'm not trying to rail on Harbaugh for doing it, but there are points in hindsight's 2020, obviously I'm not trying to couch this. I apologize, but you have to look at that and say, maybe we're just not built for this this year. Let's kick it and hope for a effing miracle against Aaron Rodgers. I don't know. I Well, I guess that's where I push back, Tim, and that's where I, I fall on it. Because I think you lay that out, and then for at least for me personally, that's the case for going for two. Shoot or shoot. We're, yeah, because we're, we're down so many guys. Yeah. Like, we, we are the less talented team. Um we 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 don't have all our studs but we have a chance to win with this play i think that for me is the case for doing it why i i'm so supportive especially against the packers i mean aaron Rodgers. it's a great point you raise antonio i didn't honestly didn't really think about the timeout too much i didn't even realize how they lost the timeout in the first place was uh as i said the the comeback happened very suddenly i had uh two uh my roommate and uh we had a buddy over we had ordered a bunch of popeye's chicken we were devouring food as this hell yeah this comeback was unfolding so it all happened very suddenly for me i was like wait what <laughs> so I, I i rewatched the whole game this morning in preparation for the show because I, I everything was so stunning just in the moment yesterday and took me so by surprise but yeah i i think tim i, I still am just in favor of going for it just because you are the team at the disadvantage and at the end of the day like it hurts to lose this game <laughs> would have been nice to win one of these games uh this is a fun stat uh that Jamison hensley had the ravens are the first team in nfl history to lose three straight games in a single season by four points or fewer cumulative so we got that going for us Woo! Um, but i do think it speaks to you know john harbaugh's a great coach and uh it sucks that these decisions are seemingly blowing up in his face every week even though i think they are sound decisions um I, I I like the coach that goes for it. I, I think I do think your Brandon Staley's of the world are a little too aggressive with it. And if I have any qualms with anything John Harbaugh did, it might have honestly been going for it on fourth down in your own territory, only down eleven. That might have been a little too aggressive for me. But I, at least for me, and we talked about it during the Steelers game, when you have a chance to win and you're the lesser team, I think it always just behooves you to go for it. And I just wish we ran better plays. Um, <laughs> this is kind of all it comes down to in the end. But, um, you know, we mentioned him. I guess we should just say I, why they were locked into Mark Andrews. Because he had 10 receptions, 136, two, 136 yards, two touchdowns. First Ravens tight end to ever record a 1,000-yard season and is less than 150 yards away from setting the Ravens' single-season record for receiving yards. He's having a fantastic year and has really turned it on late. And I think it's just a, you know, you call him a security blanket, I guess. This kind of sounds, you know, almost diminishing how good he was. But, like, he was there for huge catches. I mean, both of his touchdowns were fantastic grabs. And he's really stepped up, especially... I think after he did have some bad drops early in the season, I think he's really turned it on and been really impressive and shown why you just paid him as much money as you paid him to be one of the, you know, three or four best tight ends of the league. And he's been, he's been balling out and showing that. So that was really impressive to see in this game as well. Even if, yeah, just, sorry, just quickly on that. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Well, we criticized, we criticized Andrew a little bit. Andrew's a little bit early for not making the big plays in big games. He stepped up and been a guy who, you know, amidst this ridiculous injury slash COVID ridden year um, has stepped up big time and, you know, smart on Eric DaCosta 
Locked him in early, signed him to a new four-year deal for a decent amount of money, but nothing I don't think super crazy or, or cap-breaking or anything like that. You keep your cornerstones around, and Mark Andrews is certainly there. Even with some doubts early in the year, he's certainly proving that he is absolutely one of those guys. He's the best tight end in the league right now, statistically. It just I like George Kittle better because George Kittle's more my type. Uh, he's a, a freak. He loves Halo and loves just mauling dudes. Can't hate that guy crazy hair i'm trying to grow mine back out love the guy but mark andrews is is certainly up there in that upper upper tier it is no longer kelsey kittle and then maybe andrews it's kelsey kittle andrews and then everybody else for me fantastic performance by andrews and his career season for him and a strong game and output from the ravens offensively but we gotta we gotta flip this guys we've got to look at the defense here and just quickly i'm gonna read the starting lineup for the <laughs> listeners uh, of the secondary for this game it was uh geno stone brandon stevens anthony levine senior here we go Shout out big cap for him and then anthony averett Th- those are the four starting <laughs> players in the secondary against uh hall of famer uh, year 2020-21 MVP Aaron Rodgers, uh, and we were concerned. I think going into the game, we had some some major issues about how how many points is this team going to give up? Is it going to be 40? Is it going to be 50? Is it going to be 60? And they certainly gave up uh, some points and some drives. Aaron Rodgers had some wide open receivers that he hit and some wide open receivers that he missed at, throughout this game. But I, I can't really give too much fault to this defense based on who the players were, who they were playing against, and that they had three and outs and stops in the really in the biggest spots that they needed, and you know stopping a, a drive that ends in a field goal as opposed to a touchdown to keep it a two score game in the second half. I, I'd give them like a B plus, guys, in a game where they gave up thirty one <laughs> points. Uh, I want to hear your guys, uh, your guys' thoughts on uh, just the defensive performance overall. Well, I'm exactly there, there with you, Antonio. It, it is hard, weird to look at the stats. Rogers, two sixty-eight, three touchdowns, and be like, "What a masterful job they did!" But <laughs> I, I was really impressed. I thought Wig Martindale had a great game plan. Um, I will say that what they were able to do yesterday has made me annoyed at what they haven't done at times against better teams or worse teams. Uh, Maybe change this. it up and not blitz <laughs> yeah. all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Against, uh, you know, worse teams. Yeah. With worse quarterbacks when you had better players like your all pro cornerback, Marlon Humphrey, but given everyone that was out, I mean, you mentioned Levine. He hadn't played a defensive snap. I don't believe this season played like 19 in this game. Uh, we mentioned, uh, Robert Jackson, who got torched by Devontae Adams, but when you have a 17 on 17 in the defensive backfield, you're like, uh-oh, that's not good. Especially when we know 17 not been worn by Robert Jackson all year because Le'Veon Bell wore it for a while. So a recent addition as well. Um, and, and yeah, Kevin Seymour, you, you mentioned Geno Stone. He's wearing the green dot. But as you said, I the biggest the, the biggest stop of the game they needed to make, they made. They just Matt Bika had a sack of Aaron Rodgers at a critical moment. Um, I thought before the half, preventing the Packers from getting points was impressive. Uh, Justin Houston had a nice sack, and of course he landed on the COVID list this morning, and I believe is probably out for Sunday's game, um, unless his vaccination status changed at some point during the season. But... Um, not giving up points there. You mentioned uh, they had two three and outs, but it was the last Packers drive of the game and their first. And the first one basically set up the Ravens' first touchdown after their long drive 
uh, and kind of helped set the tone for the game. It really shortened the first quarter and, um, yeah, helped the offense out, get, got the Ravens the lead for once, uh, in, which we haven't seen recently. I, I was really impressed uh, on the whole um, with what the defense did, given the limitations. As you said, at times, Rodgers was doing whatever he wanted. And I think some of the three, he missed a touchdown to Lazard on a, one or two occasions. I have to think that's his toe, maybe. Um, like if he's just not planning correctly or getting it, cause that's usually stuff he doesn't miss, but you know, he, he, uh, Rogers did things he does. He had some amazing throws. He sold a roughing the passer call, uh, pretty well by Adafa Owe at one occasion. Uh, it, it was just everything I, I, I expected from Rogers. Um, and in the second half, when the, when the Ravens are down 11 and then 14, that was kind of what I expected the whole game to be. And I think why the comeback occurred so suddenly, because I was like, I'm not going to say I was half paying attention, but I wasn't as locked in perhaps as I normally am. And so for them to, to get those stops late, I, I was just very encouraged, I, I think. And I think you, you credit goes to Wink Martindale because he's not working with the the most. I, I mean, Clyce Campbell was out for this game <laughs> as well. It was, it, it was just so bare. And yet I thought on the whole, they did a good job against what might be the best team in the league. Yeah. I mean, look, I don't know. I may, I might sound a little bit more negative than you guys. Uh, you keep it to a one point game against who I think, yeah, Jace is the best team in the league. Um, it's still 31 points. It is bare bones. I am being more critical and probably because I'm being more critical because I heard a lot of, oh, this stout Ravens defense. It's just like, shut up. They're just not that anymore. And it's fine. Let's just admit it. Do a little research guys. Just because, uh, they're wearing the purple jerseys doesn't mean they're an all time defense with Ray Lewis and Ed Reed, but that's a point that we've made on this show a number of times. And it's seemingly never going to go away because former NFL players get paid to do analyst jobs that aren't you know, good enough to do analyst jobs, but that's a whole different story for a different day. Um, just, I mean, Jay's kind of nailed everything else. I do want to point out two guys. Uh, you mentioned Justin Matabuke. That guy is a uh, locked-in starter next year with Derek Wolf. who who knows what's happening with him. Calais Campbell getting older. Brandon Williams will most likely leave because of the contract number unless they can bring him back on something uh, team-friendly. Matabuke has played very, very well this year and absolutely bodied the right guard for one of those sacks or tackles for loss that it was just probably my favorite play of the day to be honest because he took a guy ate his lunch and then said I'm gonna take the I, I don't know if it was this it might have been his sack it was a sack or either it was on Aaron Jones or somebody but he he's got the lineman in one hand and the uh, the person he's tackling in the other and just oh that's chef's kiss defensive line play for me um and then look I was I was watching with some friends who were criticizing this player, and that's fine, but you look at the stat sheet, and he was all over the place, and yeah, he might be a little too small, and yeah, he does get dragged on some tackles, but Patrick Queen did show up, I think, for me. 13 tackles, 11 of them solo. Would I like him to be a little bit bigger and maybe stand guys up and not get dragged for those extra two, three yards that are going to be really crucial at the end of games, especially in the playoffs? Yes, absolutely I would, but... I think for the amount of criticism that guy got, especially early in the year, I think he stepped up in a good way. And, and I think he has remained maybe not the defensive linchpin in the middle that we thought, but a guy who is a starter for a defense that we expect to be pretty good moving forward. Yeah, I, I agree, Tim. That's It just sort of seems more and more like that's going to be his role uh, on the team, which... 
That's a first round draft pick. <laughs> yeah, that uh, that part's up. We're not thinking about that. We're not thinking about that. We're not thinking about that. But he has he has certainly looked solid in, in the last few weeks. Uh, do either of you want to do uh, thirty seconds on the uh, zebras in this game uh, well. and the flags that were flying against the Ravens defense on well. some of the tickiest, tackiest uh, calls I've ever seen. Yeah, Kevon Seymour got hit for a pass interference call that I will say happened way earlier in the game than I thought it was, but uh, Tim, you described it as uh, the turning point in the game in the text thread before we all kind of went silent, so I feel like you probably have have a little more thoughts than me on that one, but yeah, I mean... I didn't actually think they were as quite as bad as <laughs> on the whole as we've seen in some recent weeks, but that call was so bad on a third down coming out of halftime for the Packers. They get a touchdown, um, and you know it just sets the Ravens behind the entire second half and set up what I, I had initially wrote that uh, the defense did what about about what I expected, and that I think that play kind of helped unravel things for a bit in the second half so that was disappointing on the whole i actually don't think the the refs were as atrocious as they they let a few uh go that could have probably been pass interference calls but that one was just so awful and so disappointing and so disheartening when you you get a third a third down stop against aaron Rodgers, and then you get get almost a phantom call for a first down It, it just hurts no it is it is it's not almost a phantom call jace it is a phantom call the referee is expecting a jersey pull, expecting not watching you. Oh, this is a family show. This is a family show. I'm doing my best. A moron who is, thinks that he knows what he's looking at. He doesn't know what he's looking at because he sucks at his job like every other single referee in the National Football League. There isn't one good referee in the National Football League right now. It's an absolute joke what what the product that they are putting out onto the field nowadays. Maybe the game's gotten faster. Maybe you need to entice former players to get in that role or do something. Maybe fix the rules that it's not just points, points, points. There's enough points anyway. Defenses are not that good as it is. You don't need to give them this much of an advantage because it's not football. It's flag football. Shout out Bernard Pollard from a couple years ago. It's just, it's absolutely ridiculous. Seymour doesn't, doesn't, I'm spiraling here immediately, so I'm going to try and get back to my original point. Seymour is not pulling the jersey on that play. They expect the jersey to be pulled, so they throw the flag early. The jersey never gets pulled, and they don't have the effing balls to just swallow their pride and say, you know what? We we screwed up. Our bad guys. It, it's a joke. It, it changes games. It changes outcomes. It could be the thing that decides if the Ravens make the playoffs or not at this point. If you really want to boil it down to that, and I'm you know I'm not sitting here saying let's blame referees or what have you, but I think that's the turning point of that game. Like like you mentioned, Jace, the, the defense could have made another pivotal stop and limited them to three points there. And you're giving giving the MVP of the league, the guy who might win it again this year because nobody else wants it at this point, you're just giving him a free play against a battered defense. It's just, they have to, they have to reevaluate how the game is refereed from a defensive point of view. And they need, and, and you know, in my day job, if you don't know, I work in the soccer, I work in soccer uh, for soccer radio on Sirius XM. And, it, and it's the same thing. And it's the thing that we've been hammering home there. And I agree with it completely. The referee, I'm not saying he's got to talk to fans because fans would kill them. Let's just, it would be, it would actually be bad. I'm not even joking about that. It might get really serious at some point because people are delusional, but they need to have their own post-game pressers answer three questions. It doesn't have to be a long thing. Why did you, you know, three to five questions from reporters from either team. 
Why did you make this call? Why did you make this call? And let's hear an explanation. And you know what? That might win them some favor. It probably won't because they're all delusional and stupid and have these egos that just because they're on the field with actual football players, they think they matter and they absolutely do not to not even their parents or their siblings or their loved ones. But it's just, it just, it might give them a little bit of a human element where people could go, you know what? That makes sense. Or just a guy owning up and saying, I missed a call. Yeah. 75% of people would be mad, but I think a lot of people would appreciate it. Like, at least you admitted it and you realized that. And then, and then the rewrite, and then the rewriting of the rules too, it's the other thing that has to change. We have to realize what uncatchable is. We have to realize what uncatchable is. You, we cannot have these offenses and shout out Joe Flacco who did it for years, but we cannot have these calls happen when the ball, I don't care how talented Devontae Adams is. There's some times where he's not jumping 15 feet in the air he's not superman like it to catch a football and then you're gonna throw the flag anyway well he could have gotten there if he wasn't tugged in this jersey a little bit it was thrown to new york city and we're in baltimore there's no way he's catching that football on side like that type of stuff and the roughing the passer too i i I don't need to go on because we've talked about it over and over and over again listen back to i don't know any pod like a raven episode (laughs) from before this and you'll hear me rant and rave about this but I get protecting the quarterbacks. I get that they're the stars of the league and whatever. They're allowed to be touched, guys. They're allowed to be hit, especially when they're throwing the ball. And you know what? Sacks are fun. People like sacks. And they're the, the referee, or excuse me, defensive players are going to pull up if every time that they try and go after somebody, they're going to get hit with it if the ball comes out. I'm not even going to say just before. I'll say at the same time because that is what's happening. It has gotten that bad. It has to be evaluated. These guys, these referees need to be held in a much more critical regard, and the rules have to be rewritten. I mean, it's a a total shamble, and it's ruining games, and it's going to ruin playoff games. But the NFL doesn't care because they're making money hand over fist. They're too big to fail. People are going to watch every playoff game anyway. I will because I'm a sheep, but it it just – it's going to happen every single time, and – it, it has to come to a point where this, it changes because it, it's just – I wasn't even that – I forgot about this play <laughs> until you guys brought it up, and now I'm just so angry all over again. Uh, but, yeah, fantastic. it has to change. It has to change. Fantastic. I think I think it has to be that the game has gotten to a point where it's too fast for yeah. people to re- be reviewing all the necessary potential calls – on top of all the like, should the clock be running? Is it was this player tackled inbounds or out of bounds? Was his momentum moving him forwards or backwards uh, as he went out of bounds? So I know to roll the clock or stop the clock. On top of was the ball in the area? Uh, could this player have jumped ten to fifteen feet in the air, or was it only seven to eight feet in the air that he could have jumped? There, I think there's too many rules, too many things for them to have to be processing as the speed of the players and of the game has just gotten to be. Yeah, it's a great too point. much for yeah. what are usually 40 to 50 year old guys because you want guys with experience <laughs> you want reps <laughs> that have had 20 years of experience so they're kind of in this no man's land i think of how to resolve it which is why it hasn't been really resolved <laughs> in any way shape or form aside from trying to slowly add reviewable plays you know this see i think this is the first season where they're doing they can get called from new york to fix the egregious play but i I have not seen that used often at all and they're not going to do it for that type of play when it's just a a first down conversion uh you know in, in the middle of a football game so i i don't really know what you do except for try to rely more on technology to remove some of the things that refs need to look at like the 
we have to get to the era of like chipping the ball <laughs> to to show when it's crossed the goal line or just you know to show how it's been caught or not. So I think we're just in this weird nebulous like ten years where we're still relying on like the human eye with a little bit of technology, but we haven't gone full. Full, full technology yet but that it, it is inevitable but i don't see it happening you know tomorrow or next year or the year after that yeah every time the chain gang jogs out there antonio i cannot believe that that yeah. is how we we yeah. do first down still it, the chip is coming it's going to happen it'll i think solve a lot of issues uh as you mentioned where is the first down where did the ball actually where where was forward progress actually stopped what's a touchdown etc it's only a matter of time. The chips are so small. I can't imagine it'll change the weight of the ball too much at this point. Um, so we'll, we'll, they'll get that figured out. But as you said, that could be a 10 Tom Brady will have a lot of issues with the ball oh, when the chip yeah, is in it, Jace. After a loss, he's going to have a lot of complaints about the weight. And <laughs> yeah, the a 53-year-old Tom Brady talking about, well, the chips used to be smaller, and now they've changed the weight of the chip. Oh, and, God. Can we uh, move on? Antonio, please. <laughs> yeah, so it, things things definitely need uh, an overhaul. But, yeah, as you guys said, it, it's going to be a weird kind of 10, 15 years until I feel like the technology fully uh, catches up. With all that, with us uh, just grouching and complaining, <laughs> the Ravens unfortunately lose another heartbreaker by a point. They've now lost three in a row, as we mentioned earlier, by a total of four points. <laughs> and a total of, like, four plays even. Certainly one play in the Steelers game and the Packers game, and maybe if they get a first down against the Browns, then they kick a field goal and win that one too. So four points, four plays. And instead, the Ravens are 8-6. and six. They're now technically in second place in the AFC North. And we're going to turn to the North now, uh, where some interesting things are happening. Um, because we can't have nice things, the Steelers won this weekend in a gross game uh, against the Titans, where Tennessee was up 13-3 to at halftime, and they managed to lose that game. <laughs> and then the Bengals won an even uglier game uh, against the Denver Broncos in Denver where that truly seemed like a game where neither team wanted to win or score or get first downs. Uh, that one finished, I think 15 to 10. Uh, so both of those teams win. And then the Browns, because they bitched and moaned about their COVID situation, they got their game rescheduled. So they're playing right now as we record at, <laughs> at six 30 on a Monday, uh, current score of that game because neither of their quarterbacks were able to actually resolve their COVID testing issue on Sunday, so they're still or on Saturday, so they're still not playing today. Uh, and the Cleveland Browns are down ten right now to the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. So go Las Vegas! But at the moment, the standings are Cincinnati in first place at eight and six, Baltimore second, also at eight and six, Cleveland at seven and six, Pittsburgh at seven six and one. The thinnest of margins uh, in the AFC North. But before we get into the playoff discussion, Jace, uh, what did you? I think you watched both of those games or parts of uh, both of those games from the, the Steelers and the Bengals. Yeah, so the the Steelers game will hit first just because technically they are, as you said, laid out still the fourth place team. But it's annoying that they're still in the mix, right? Uh, this was been a very a very twenty twenty one Steelers game where they did nothing all game until. Uh, the, the Titans just kept turning the ball over. I mean, the scoring in the fourth quarter of this game was three Chris Boswell field goals, and that represented the scoring for both teams. This was hardly a classic 
Uh, the t- Tennessee had the ball for nearly 40 minutes. The Steelers had 168 total yards. Uh, but, um, you know, Tennessee turned the ball over four times and the Steelers didn't. And uh, you could outgain team by 200 yards uh, if you double or if you quadruple them in turnovers. Uh, that'll uh, usually do you in. So the Steelers, they're hanging around. They're probably going to be... Um, it's probably going to be a wild card winning in situation, uh, potentially for them, the final week of the season against the Ravens. Uh, so it would have been nice if they lost this game. Uh, Titans could have, uh, more, uh, you know, closed in on their, the AFC South lead, but, um, they lost Colts win. So the AFC South still undecided, uh, no AFC teams have actually clinched a playoff spot yet. Um, uh, and we're entering week 16 here, so that's kind of crazy. But the Bengals game, as you said, very ugly. Teddy Bridgewater um, taken off on a stretcher in this game in a scary incident. He kind of went headfirst into the dirt um, during the third quarter. And then it was Drew Locke time, and you know what that means. You got a just hilarious turnover um, from Drew Locke where he, like, attempted to throw – but was it was like an interception he threw, but it was like a strip sack. The guy just took it right out of his hand. I've never quite seen anything as strange as that. Um, but the Broncos had some chances. They didn't convert because of Drew, uh, Drew Locke uh, had a bad turnover. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, this game was horrible. It, it really stunk, and it's what's disappointing about it the most is that the Bengals did win because now, they, as you said, they're in first in the AFC North, and technically, as of this moment, the Ravens are outside of the playoffs after entering the weekend, leading their division. They will go from, the, the I believe they were the four seed, to now they are, the I believe, in the eighth spot right now. So, that's upsetting. Would have loved the Broncos to win this game, but, you know, that's how it goes. You never get the help you did, right? So, yeah, some horrible games of the AFC North all the way around. Did not expect the Ravens to play the game of the day, but they did <laughs> and unfortunately uh, they lost for the pittsburgh game just take a look at the uh the old like win probability chart that espn <laughs> does because th- that's a fun one to look at because it's just tennessee higher and higher and higher and then this like mountain peak and then it's all it's lower and lower and lower until it's pittsburgh frustrating uh, it's also frustrating because maybe some of us at the beginning of the season had the tennessee over nine wins uh and they're currently at nine and five and so they they just they they're making it interesting to get that 10th win, but uh, I think they have a pretty easy stretch in the last few games of the season. But as for the AFC North, the uh, the ESPN playoff machine is up. Go ahead and click around that for the next three weeks of the season. There are so many different things that can still happen. So many teams can still go to the playoffs, can still win their division. So we're not going to do too much uh, of, like, if this, then that yet because there's too many games too many teams go to the playoffs in my opinion that seventh team messes everything up too but basically at the moment if the ravens with three games to play can win their two division games against the Bengals this week and then against the steelers in week 18 even if they lose to the rams they're pretty much guaranteed a playoff spot so that is the the task i don't think any of us are going to pick the ravens to beat the rams uh, in two weeks so the task in front of them is beat your division opponents, and if they beat, if they win two of them, they will very likely go to the playoffs. That is because the Browns still have to play the Packers, the Bengals, and the Steelers both still have to play the Chiefs, and I, I'm fairly confident that all of those will be losses for the various AFC North teams. So there are losses to be had yet in the AFC North. 
Um, but the Ravens, you got to take care of business in your division. And this brings me brings up an interesting question that we got uh, over uh, over the week from uh, a big a, a fan of the show and a, a listener that we appreciate, and that's Chris Maine. Um, who, Jace, you're going to have to confirm this for me, but Chris Maine, a big uh, Washington football team fan. Yes, right? indeed. But listens to uh, Pod Like a Raven, so we appreciate that. And he brings this up because it's something that he noticed with the Washington football team. And his question is, in a year where the AFC North is so tight and, quote, no one wants to win, because we've said that several times on this on this show, would you like it if your last five games of the season, or pick a, you know, pick a number, last four games, last six, were all divisional? Because at the moment, the Washington football team's last five games are all against division opponents. So it's a, it's a scheduling twist, a scheduling tweak, where maybe you don't play any division games the first three quarters of the season, and then that last month plus is just battle it out in your division to see who wins the division, who goes to the playoffs, and, and you know who takes the crown, basically, at the end of the year. What are your guys' thoughts on, uh, on that as just sort of a fun scheduling tweak? So first of all, Chris, thank you, buddy. I hope you're doing well. Obviously, you can always tweet us questions at Pod Like a Raven. Uh, you can get on Instagram DMs, as Chris so creatively did, at Pod Like a Raven. You can email us at podlikearaven at gmail.com for these as well. My answer, it's an interesting idea, and they, they do do like week, what is it, 18 now? It's pretty much always against a division opponent. Um, but I say no um, for two reasons. One, the more serious reason is because I think it's kind of a crapshoot if your team all of a sudden is sputtering towards the end of the year. One, it probably doesn't mean you're doing anything in the postseason anyway because you got to get hot at the right time. But two, then all your important games are when you're struggling. And, you know, I'm glad we played the Chiefs in week two and not right now. And it, it's, all, it's all a matter of circumstance. But when all those division games, which are all have the same sort of weight, as it were, are all lumped together you really got to make sure that you're clicking at the right time. Um, and, and then there's other stuff with like travel and stuff as well. Maybe that means that if you, you know, we're in the North, if you have to play the AFC West, all those games get loaded out that way. And maybe it's like AFC West game, then a game against, you know, the jets or something. And then it's another AFC West game or, you know, however the schedule would work, it might cause more travel issues than not. Um, and then just pure selfishness. No, that would be a terrible idea for my blood pressure, um, my personal life, my well-being, my mental state. As you can tell, I'm already off the rails as it is. Having, having Brown Steelers, Browns already was terrible. And then we went Brown Steelers, Browns, uh, what? Packers, and now Bengals, who are good now. And so it's, they've already stacked it pretty much uh, against us, and, it, and this has sucked to, fa- to make it even worse uh, just in terms of pure, like, how can I tolerate this? Am I going to have any nails left, or is it going to go down to the cuticle every single December and January? Uh, I'm going to have to pass, Chris. I fall. I, I see both sides of the argument. On the one hand, I kind of like. I like it in the sense that, like, you know, you can determine your fate. Basically, like you're in control of your own destiny when you play a ton of division opponents late in the year. But as you said, um, to your point, Tim, the NFL is a war of attrition also many years and that's especially true this season with uh as i'm sure as we mentioned the browns are playing uh today as we record on monday afternoon there's two games tuesday as this show comes out because of rescheduled games due to covid um covid's ripping around there's just the normal you know 
the Raven 17 IR guys aren't all like those aren't even COVID guys. Those are just normal injuries. So you do the war of attrition does make me give pause to wanting it. And then to, to uh, those division games stack late. And then to your point, Tim, um, like even though the Ravens have an opportunity to like win the division as Antonio Lane laid out here, beat the Bengals, beat the Steelers. You probably win the AFC North. Um, it, it, I do dread these games. These are the games I, I fear the most. Uh, they keep me up the most. They annoy me the most. Uh, and so it has been nice in years where they've played, they played the Steelers in the season opener before. And then to not have to, to know you only have to play them one more time the whole rest of the year. That's kind of a freeing feeling. Um, Cause I never want to play the Steelers. And so, uh, you know, if, if to, to get those games out of the way and then just turn your attention to just take care of business against, you know, whatever run of the mill AFC South team or whatever. That's nice. Like last year was nice. They played the Browns and then uh, they played the Bengals in the season finale, but that was an awful Bengals team without Joe Burrow. And they just had nothing but cupcakes down the stretch. That was a lot more delightful uh, than having to sweat out a bunch of division games, I think. So, yeah, I think I fall on the side of getting them out of the way, but that's more just for uh, personal sanity than anything else. Yeah, I'm more on the uh, side of spacing them out. Not even just towards the end of the year. Just space them out. We don't need them all at once. Yeah, put a, me... Not in the front, not in the back. Just just pepper them in. Yeah, Steelers week one, let's go. Bengals second week of October. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Chris, I actually, uh, I kind of like it. Uh, I, Tim, I'm kind of going to go the opposite with you about the travel. In theory, and this doesn't apply to every team in the NFL, but in theory, if they did do the division games all at the end of the season then you're gonna have teams that are traveling less down like in the last quarter of the season when in theory they're like more beat up and more exhausted from the rigors of the season you would do your traveling like your big trips earlier in the season and then you'd have sort of the more local you know quote-unquote local games uh down the stretch chris i i do have an issue though for the nfc east it would be odd to have four like oh and ten teams uh, all having to then play each other <laughs> on Sunday in, night football in, in the division matchups. So uh, for that reason, a lot for ratings, Chris, uh, you know, for the NFC East, I just, I don't think it's going to work out. Uh, and that's my final shot fired to uh, a dear friend and somebody who I appreciate. Gratuitous at best. In. And for the other listeners, I promise I will try my best not to rail on any question that you then sent. No, but I, I actually do think it would be kind of cool. Uh, logistically i don't you know it's the nfl they don't make big changes if they don't have to because as tim mentioned the money is rolling in but i think it would be kind of cool actually to have that first part of the season that is like your uh like pretend international foes and then (laughs) you have the the domestic league games against all your division teams um and we'll see how the washington football team handles it with their five games uh that they the sample size that they have this season with the five games where they have lost the first one chris so we got to try uh you know we got to pick things up here guys anything else from the nfl that you guys saw that you want to bring up here before we turn to the random raven very quickly i didn't watch a ton of this game because it was on at the same time of the ravens but i've watched it back because i love um i love the idea of george kittle and debo samuel just mauling dudes the 49ers are awesome everybody said it Kyle Shanahan's back in his bag with these crazy running plays. I think Debo Samuel is like 
10th in rushing touchdowns this year, and he is a wide receiver. Uh, just something insane. Uh, and then they were just wearing the classic awesome jerseys, 90s retro jerseys. So the 49ers, fun team to watch if you actually like football, unlike referees nowadays uh, who just want to be on TV. And the other one, we got to do it. I've been talking about them all the time on this, and I, I think we're giving them more airtime than pretty much everybody. The fighting Dan Campbells. What a win over the Arizona Cardinals who are frauds, who are dead. Dan Campbell said these guys and Cliff Kingsbury and his hair's too nice and his hair's too fancy. That's not a football guy. We're football guys. And they beat the brakes off the Cardinals. I don't know if you watched any of this game. You probably didn't. It's Cardinals-Lions. This is not a fluke game. Absolutely battered them in every way, shape, and form. Good for good for the Detroit Lions. They're building a modicum of something there. I like Dan Campbell a lot. I know people make fun of him. I like him. I hope it works out. And then, of course, Jared Goff, as we record this, is placed on the COVID list. So now they're probably not going to have their starting quarterback for the next games. But love it for Dan Campbell. Love it for the city of Detroit. That team, that city deserves at least something competent. So hopefully they're starting to finally maybe put some building blocks there. Yeah, that was easily the weirdest result of the day. It did make me think of what we probably should mention. Uh, because the team that is picking first now after the, the Lions win and uh, the Texans defeated this team, the Jacksonville Jaguars are currently on the clock if the season ended today. And Urban Meyer is not their head coach. He did get fired um, this week. That was a thing that happened. We don't have to get too much into it. But uh, we, we just disastrous. One of the all-time worst head coaching hires in NFL history. I mean, he... <laughs> He leaves after he gets fired after 13 weeks. You know, a lot of the last coach to not complete his first season on the job was Bobby Petrino, who famously left his job, at least on his own volition. So at least Bobby had that going for him and had one more uh, one more win than Urban Meyer did. So Urban fired after two and 11, just an all time debacle. Um, And hopefully the Jaguars get it right. and Don't waste Trevor Lawrence. But. Yeah, what a, what a just disastrous year for them. And the only other thing I just want to mention NFL-wise uh, that was interesting was the, the Colts continued their kind of – I think I might, might have mentioned this game earlier. But the Colts um, have continued their push into the playoff field. Uh, 27-17 win over the Patriots on Saturday night. Snapped the Patriots' seven-game winning streak. Um, they did not ask Carson Wentz to do much. He had 57 yards on 5, five of 12 uh, passing. Uh, but Jonathan Taylor, 29 carries, 170 yards, busted a 67-yarder late to seal the game. Um, he might be the MVP frontrunner if the Colts make the playoffs. It's hard to say. I was Team Tom Brady until Tom Brady got shut out for the first time in uh, 15 years on Sunday Night Football. That was also weird. Um, weird times in the NFL. It was a very, very strange weekend. Uh, starting with the Meyer firing in midweek, that was Wednesday night, like right just after or Thursday, just after midnight on the East Coast, uh, he got fired, and then, and then just rolling into the weekend, just very bizarre, bizarre series of games. Oh, and uh, yeah, what happened Thursday night? The Chiefs uh, are first in the AFC after w- winning a walk off uh, against the Chargers. And, Chiefs uh, are back. Yeah, Chiefs, Chiefs are, are back. back. So <laughs> I think that about sums up the the. The AFC, certainly, and uh, just an eventful week all around uh, in the American Football Conference. Yeah, one of my favorite things was Urban Meyer getting fired, the line moving from Jacksonville <laughs> minus three to Jacksonville minus five, and then Jacksonville loses by 14 in, in the game that everybody <laughs> thought was going to be the 
oh, here, now the players are going to show how much they hated Urban Meyer and, and show out and win a game against a bad Texans team. No, lose by double digits at home. The Lions, I mean, 2-11-1, and one, playing their way right out of the number one overall pick. 9-5 and five against the spread. They are 9-5 and five against the spread. They're it's a good a, team. It's a weird team. It's weird. They're weird. Uh, and they're going to put some nice things together just in the nick of time to not have, like, a top... They're going to win another game or two, and they're going to end up with, like, a top 10 pick instead of a number one or two pick but uh they are a team that plays for their coach tim there are the fighting dan campbells and a bad team that has lost so many games that they are pulling these wins out now uh, i think proves that they haven't sort of given up on the season and on their coach that they really do like playing for them so maybe they are building something there all right enough enough nfl a weird week games are happening <laughs> on tuesday it's time for the random raven and tim you're up this week so who do you have for us from the man who brought you Billy Bajima, I can say that I think I have picked the most random of Ravens that we have ever done in the three years here. Oh, no. and why do I say that? Because uh, before the show, I didn't really know who I wanted to do, so I googled random Ravens, and this guy popped up on a list on a on an that old seem right. <laughs> on an old Facebook post from some fate Ravens webpage that was like, who can name the most random Raven? Some guy in 2011 commented with this guy's name. And so now he's your random Raven. I will say this. I did not know who this person was before uh, picking this out, (laughs) but you'll see why I picked him. There are some very interesting clues, but yeah, if anybody gets this, cause I don't have, I I love these two co-hosts. I don't have any faith. Eh, Jace might get this one. Antonio. I, I don't think so, man. We'll see. We'll see. Um, but if you do get it, let us know on Twitter at series or at pod like a Raven. Sorry. That was my work slipping in there. All right. Anyway, let's get on with the clues. Clue number one. This player is the third player ever drafted by the Ravens. Famously going behind the likes of Jonathan Ogden and Ray Lewis. He was selected in the second round of the 1996 NFL draft out of Tennessee. Third Raven ever drafted by the organization. Clue number two. He spent four years in Baltimore, finishing his time with the Ravens with 191 tackles and two interceptions. He only started a total of 15 games in his first three seasons, but then matched that total in his final season in 1999, starting 15 games in 99. Clue number three. After his four years in Baltimore, he only spent two more seasons in the NFL, uh, one in San Diego, one in Tennessee. In 2004, after three years out of the National Football League, He signed with the Austin Wranglers of the Arena Football League. He also spent two seasons with the Nashville Cats in the AFL. I know these clues are that well. These clues are really helping. I'm aware. Fun times. (laughs) Clue number four: He wore the same number as Chris Carr, Asa Jackson, and Tavon Young. Clue number five, and this is why I picked this guy. He is now a co-host on HGTV's Flip or Flop Nashville with real estate broker Paige Turner. A show that premiered in January 2018. I looked it up. I did the research. I S you not. That is an actual thing. And I'm going to give you the bonus clue now. And again, these older random Ravens are tougher for our, our generation. You know, the, the born in 91, 92 class here. But this is my this is my uh, rant or my bonus clue here. He shares a last name with an incredibly viral Internet video that stars a Leroy. Now, if you get that, 
good for you. I can also say you're a total dork like I am. It might help you. It might not. We'll see. We'll find oh, out man. at the end of the episode. <laughs> Tim, you hit so many things that I have, you know, paid just pay so much attention to. The Wranglers, uh, real estate shows on HGTV, any viral video Memes. I tend to be. I'm, I, <laughs> me, I, I tend to be uh, months behind with that stuff. So really good. Uh, I'm going to take pride in getting the number right. And then I'm going to let, is this a name? When you say the name, Tim, are we going to be like, oh yeah, that guy? Or is it going to be like, I don't even know who that is. Oh, no, no, no. You're going to have no clue. Oh, unless you watch HGTV, I guess. Yeah, I unless guess. you're a big HGTV. If you're, if you're, you know, and hey, people, people love HGTV. I love Food Network. If you're listening to this with somebody who might not be a Ravens fan and maybe is a big HGTV fan. Or you know somebody, before you get to the end of this episode, maybe shoot him a quick text. Hey, who is the co-host with Paige Turner on HGTV's Flip or Flop Nashville? <laughs> well, uh, well, we will... Uh... Jace, do you have any sense of this? Sorry, well, I know I last on. name based on Tim's bonus clue, but <laughs> I, I don't have a first name. But... Uh, uh, alrighty, well, we will have, uh, we will have Tim uh, reread those clues at the end of the episode and have, have Jace take a stab at it. But for now... It's time to preview the Ravens' next opponent, and that is the Cincinnati Bengals in Cincinnati. Bengals currently two-and-a-half-point favorites. And I, I have some questions for you guys, but we record this, obviously, the day after the Ravens' Sunday games, and we don't have a ton of information sometimes on their next game. So question number one, is Lamar Jackson going to play in this game? We're not really sure. Uh, Harbaugh has has noted that it seemed like it was a relatively minor ankle sprain. We seemed to think he should be back in time for this game. We don't really know. So we can't, unfortunately we can't do too much of a in that in depth, you know, what does Lamar need to do uh, to win this game? But uh, I have one big question to start for you guys. And it's actually on the defensive side of the football. And I think it's where this game will inevitably be won or lost. Who is going to cover the Bengals' weapons. What are they going to do in the secondary, defensively, to cover the T. Higgins, Jamar Chases, Tyler Boyds, and C.J. Uzomas? They should be maybe getting Chris Westry back, maybe getting Jimmy Smith back, and it's not good that I'm starting with those names as defensive players the Ravens need to get back. How do they do this, basically? How do they handle the Bengals' weapons, if they're going to have any chance of winning this game in Cincinnati. So one, I will say, playing them a second time helps. You think Wink will have a little bit more of a, Wink Martindale, defensive coordinator, will have a little bit more of a, you know, sense of adjusting if he has to adjust. Because they got, the score wasn't as, the game wasn't as bad as the score, but they still got torched on the defensive side of the ball by Joe Burrow and that offense. I think what you do, expecting some guys to come back, what you do what you did against Devontae Adams. What they did against Devontae Adams is there were two guys on Devontae Adams almost every play. Uh, you know, even the play on the touchdown where he uh, burns Robert Jackson. There's a safety. Thank you, Jason. Nice Current random there. Raven. Yeah. There's a <laughs> safety. There's a safety who's supposed to be covering the inside. Jackson just gets torched to the outside, and, you know, that's it. That, that's the end of that. But I think you do that for Jamar Chase. You, you double him up. Maybe you get Westry, who's a bigger guy on like a T. Higgins or something like that, and then you deal with Uzuma. That's not, you know, the biggest threat in the world, I think, compared to what the other weapons are. But I think what you do is 
kind of what you did against Aaron Rodgers. I mean, Devontae Adams only had six catches for 44 yards. It's not like he was Devontae Adams against the Ravens. Maybe you hope for some of that. You double one guy, leave your best guy to take care of Higgins, or if you want to flip it, take care of Chase, however you want to do that. And then hopefully your linebackers and safeties can can deal with the guys in the middle. Yeah, I think it's got to be another wink game. Uh, Roger said, uh, Tim, that he uh... – against Adams they did some alignment stuff that he's never seen before which is pretty impressive when you shout out wink yeah how long Aaron Rodgers has played football <laughs> one of you know the four oldest quarterbacks in the league these days um but uh I think they do have to just do s- similar stuff just get really creative um maybe not blitz as much just have to hope uh you could get pressure because the Bengals do still have a rough offensive line uh no quarterback's been sacked more in the NFL uh, this year than Joe Burrow. No quarterback has thrown more interceptions in the NFL this year than Joe Burrow. He he can make mistakes. And um, I think the key is to try to bait him into those mistakes with, you know, your creative alignments, coverages, etc. cetera. Um, but yeah, it's going to be tough to just do anything, I think, straight up, um, <laughs> just given your personnel. So I, I think they can get creative. And I, I believe, I know I've been hard on him at times, but I do believe Wing Martindale seems more than capable of, uh, you know, Rogers isn't the first person to kind of compliment him and say he's uh, Wing's cooked up something he's never seen before. So, um, you know, if Rogers hasn't seen it, uh, the chances of Burrow not having seen what Wink could do uh, is probably much higher because he's a far far less experienced quarterback. So, yeah, I mean, uh, turnovers would be great. Trying to force someone get get an interception, get a fumble, but uh, yeah, I, I think you just have to get creative, and that starts with the coaching staff. It was uh, unfortunate to see Tavon Young injured in this Packers game. It's unsure whether or not he's going to be. Uh, healthy and back for the Bengals game. So there are uh, there are some injuries. There, there are some things, but uh, I kind of like this as inside out. I would love to get pressure with four. I, I would love for Odafe Owe to like show out and, and make the Bengals offensive line look bad, look like what it should be, which is not a very good offensive line. And then because of the pressure, uh, not have to do as much in the secondary. We will see what happens there. Offensively, guys, regardless of who is the quarterback? Because they're now, it's Lamar A and Lamar B, based on what we've seen from Huntley. What, who needs to shine offensively for them to put up enough points in a game that they probably need to get into what? They, they need to touch 30 again to, to have a legitimate chance in this game. So who, who would you like to see shine outside of like, you know, your quarterback needs to play well. <laughs> who would you like to see uh, shine and make a few plays here to take them over the, over the hump? I mean, it sounds stupid to say, but... Hey, Mark Andrews, let's break that single season record, you know, like in this game. Let's just consistently be that guy again. I I think you do a great job hosting Antonio, but I think this is the wrong question because I think this is more of a who needs to shine. I need to see Greg Roman spread the ball out. <laughs> Greg Roman needs to shine. Greg Tim. Roman <laughs> needs to shine. Yeah, I mean, we could do it. We could do it that way. And the offensive coordinator needs to actually, you know, do something a little bit different. But I think this is a spread the ball out, don't focus on one guy game. Because look, Huntley or no Huntley, let's say it is Huntley, right? The Bengals are going to go in saying, get take, take Mark Andrews out of the game and we should be okay. So then Huntley needs to learn to spread the ball around a little bit more, whether it's, you know, more Bateman, uh, Rashad Bateman, more, I mean, James Prochet, Devin Duvarnay getting in on the act, Tylen Wallace, although poor Tylen Wallace, because they <laughs> screwed up his jersey if you didn't see that on, on the back there. 
um, making some plays, like getting the ball and not making any particular one guy a focal point. And some of that comes with better route concepts and, you know, having plays that are designed to not just have one option, but I don't know if that's something that's fixable in the middle of the year. Who knows? But yeah, I, I think it's more of a, this needs to be a Lamar or Huntley, whoever it is. And obviously I think the chances are way better with Lamar. Like we're, we're not sitting here having this debate because of one good Tyler Huntley game. Either way, it needs to be spread out and it needs to be a multifaceted attack so that the Bengals don't know where you're coming from and you got to keep them on your toes the entire time. Yeah, we had talked about uh, following the Browns game, how uh, much we loved Rashad Bateman getting in on the action. Uh, And he followed up that really impressive 100-yard game by getting thrown two balls uh, with one catch for five yards. That needs to change, especially because Sammy Watkins didn't play in this game. So, (laughs) yeah, I I think you nailed it, Tim. You just got The ball's got to get spread. Um... A little more. I'd love Hollywood. Uh, Antonio, you mentioned those 4.3 yards per catch. I know some of those move the chains, but let's up that number a little bit. I would love like one deep ball to him. <laughs> that would be nice. I mean, I appreciate him do- doing, you know, the dirty work, like 10 catches, 43 yards. He took a lot of hits, but but that number has to be higher too. So to get him in space, there was one play in the very early going of this game against the Packers. Um, where Rashad Bateman and Hollywood Brown ran into each other in the end zone on a route. Let's not do that. Let's <laughs> let's uh, spread it out. But like, yeah. Also, know what route to run. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let's do every. Let's uh, attention to detail. You could say it's of utmost importance against your division opponents. Um, but yeah, I think Tim now to just get, getting the ball to more guys, specifically Rashad Bateman. You drafted him in the first round. He's shown he has a lot of talent. He just simply needs to get the ball in his hands more than he has gotten. All right. And as we near uh, prediction time here, the Ravens have lost three games in a row, as we've said. Four points total in those three games. Are you reassured by all these close losses against pretty good teams, I guess? The Packers certainly good. Are you reassured? that the Ravens' thin, depleted roster is overperforming and can win this game in Cincinnati and another game later in this season and this team can make a playoff push. Is the infrastructure of the Baltimore Ravens good enough for this team to win two games as, as we finish out the season? Maybe? <laughs> hey, not, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not very confident. Um Well, I'm encouraged by this, Antonio. I think this season has shown that despite, I know, the record's 8-6, and John Harbaugh is a fantastic coach. The fact that this team even has a winning record with all the injuries they've faced, I mean, just what has to be a bottom three offensive line in the league, Um, (laughs) your quarterback missing two games now, Um, just 17 guys on IR before this week, in like in pivotal guy. I mean, in this game, the guy uh, Patrick Ricard didn't play. You know, Ben Powers was out for this game. You're starting left guard. It, there's just been so many things, and to just hang tough week after week, I think it's just a, a huge credit to John Harbaugh for inspiring the guys. He, I think Harbaugh's a psycho in a way that he does truly believe that like they could win every game they step on the field. And I guess that's what you want in a coach. Certainly, you don't want a coach who's like, oh, we have no chance in this one. But um, He's an incredible coach. I think he's done a great job. But that being said, I just don't know that the talent is there. And I think these close losses is kind of indicative of that. It's like you you don't 
have all the pieces and that's why you're falling short and they were they they overcame a lot of the similar issues in games earlier this season big comebacks against the vikings against the chiefs against the colts but uh it just hasn't been going their way and i think it's just a, a more almost more of a result of anything this sort of the attrition of the season because I, I i like if i think like if lamar is just like healthy the whole game or like if the line is better like there's a world where they just beat the browns by like 12 points last week 13 points or something and instead they lose by two um it, so it, on one hand i'm encouraged that they're in these games and on the other i think at this point the close losses that might be mounting the the attrition might uh that the roster suffered it all might just be too much to overcome and might <laughs> could result in a uh somewhat historic collapse for the ravens here in the late going i don't i want to keep the faith but um it, it's just there's a lot of cards uh, the deck's certainly stacked against them i guess i'll say the deck is stacked the mentality is going to be <laughs> tough now uh after you have all these crushing late game you know i'm not gonna say collapses but late game losses where you're trying to steal a game here and there with that in mind with the mentality aspect my final question for both of you as you make your picks for ravens at bengals you're john harbaugh right now <laughs> you go down the field late you score a touchdown it's a one point game with two seconds left on the clock are you going for two are you kicking it based on the fact that you're playing against Cincinnati? Based on the fact that your team stinks at gaining two yards on one play? <laughs> uh, or do you do the same exact thing? And you, you trust your own numbers and math and ability that eventually these things will start to turn around and you can steal the game in regulation. Give me that decision as the head coach as well as your pick for Ravens at Bengals. You absolutely go for two, Antonio. Third time's the charm. They can't lose that way three times in a season. <laughs> three times in four weeks. It can't happen. You got to go for it. This team uh, is on the ropes, but you you, you you hammer against the wall enough times, the wall's going to f- fall down. So you absolutely go for it. You can't change your mentality just because it didn't work. And Har- John Harbaugh more or less said as such. Uh, he, he said that his, the, the, the decisions were still sound, even if the result wasn't. Uh, that being said, uh, Bengals minus 2.5. I, I, I don't think the Ravens... I, I have kind of said, I, I think we've just hit a very critical point. And, I mean, that was the worst game they played this year. At least the most lopsided. Because um, the worst game they played this year was probably against the Dolphins. But the most lopsided game they played this year was against the Bengals. And I think they have, uh, just in personnel, less answers for that game than they did certainly getting chuck clark back would help <laughs> to get him wearing the green dot again uh on the back end and not geno stone making his first start but um i i still think the Bengals have too many weapons and i i they have clear issues too but i i think burrow is good enough and at home with a chance to for them it's a chance to more or less seal up the division i know they have some tough games still but this would go a long way to winning the division and I, I think this is about as excited as you, you'll ever see Paul Brown Stadium in a stadium famously one of the more quiet in the NFL. But uh, I think Bengals fans are excited for Burrow and this team. And, and I think just three crushing losses like this and then going on the road to a division opponent, I, I think it's just a tall task to say the Ravens are going to win this game. So betting-wise, I will pick the, the Bengals, and I don't expect the Ravens to win. They certainly could, but I'm not expecting them to. What else you got for the, this weekend? 
rounding it out, um, <laughs> I can't believe I'm doing this. I'm picking the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, they are playing the Kansas City Chiefs, but they are plus 10 at Arrowhead Stadium. Look, here's the thing. <laughs> are the Steelers going to win this game? No. But are they going to do enough stupid Steelers crap to keep this within one score in the fourth quarter? Absolutely. So I'm picking the Steelers uh, to cover this game. And uh, and then another AFC North team in the mix, but I am not picking them. I am picking the Packers to drop the hammer on the Cleveland Browns. Packers minus 7.5 back at Lambeau Field. Uh, they just watched the Cardinals lose. They beat the Ravens. They've already locked up the NFC North, but now they have uh, the number one seed in sight. Um, and I, I just don't see a Browns roster that's going to be incredibly in flux playing on a very short week um, relative to, you know, outside of the Thursday night short weeks. But like a Tuesday to Sunday turnaround, Lambeau Field does not bode well for them. Don't know who their quarterback's going to be. I'm picking the Packers to win to, to win big. Um, obviously subject to all these picks subject to COVID uh, guys sitting out and whatnot. (laughs) Yeah. Just quickly on that. I agree with you Um, on green Bay minus seven and a half at home to Cleveland, Cleveland whined and complained. Baker Mayfield went on a Twitter tirade, like uh, some woman who had been spurned at the local pizza hut. And they complained enough that they got their game moved to Monday. And as it's as we're recording right now, Nick Chubb has just scored a touchdown. It's 10-7. We'll see what happens in that game. But they whined and they moaned and they complained. And because they're the Browns, they are the the twinkle in Roger Goodell's eye at this point for God knows what reason. The game was moved. And even with that, all of the players, that the, or most of the players, including one Baker Mayfield, that the Browns thought they were going to get back, they did not. So what happens anyway? Now they have shorter rest before the reigning MVP, Aaron Rodgers, shoves it down their throat. And you can take that in any which way you want. They want that number one seed in Lambeau Field. And I th- they, want, they want everybody in the NFC to come through there. I think the Browns now are going to whine that they are, on, oh, it's on short rest now. That's your own fault, you dummies. And Aaron Rodgers is going to throw for, let's say, five, six, seven touchdowns against the Browns. Even shorter rest than I realized, Tim. This is a Saturday game, Christmas Day game. It is, um, yes, so it is. So very short, extremely short rest. And yeah, they have the pleasure of going to Lambeau Field on Christmas Day to get their butt kicked. Oh, what a great Christmas gift for Ravens fans. We <laughs> wish you a Merry Christmas. Thank you, Baker. I really, really appreciate you for the first time in my life. So give me Green Bay minus seven and a half. Real quickly on that, um, Atlanta is only minus four right now away to Detroit. Atlanta is the king of beating bad teams and losing to okay teams. I love Detroit. They're a bad team. They just got a huge win. Um, and Derek Goff is now out. So Atlanta minus four for me is what I'm going to take. And then let's get to the, the real game, the game that matters. Antonio, your question first. I agree with Jace. You absolutely go for two again. It's what you do. Situations are, are situational, I know, but maybe... This is, I don't know, third time's a charm. I kind of agree with Jace. Like, they're going to figure it out at some point, and I think they make it right. And I think, you know what, Antonio? I think QB power is what we see, and whether it's Lamar Jackson or Tyler Huntley. Give me that. You've been calling for it. Thank I think you. You're right there. <laughs> and now the pick. On our sheet here, I still have to be determined. And for the last, I don't know, it probably has been eight weeks, I have picked against the Ravens. I have Jace, done. Something's happening here. I think I have, something's happening here, Jason. I have done Ravens to win, but not cover. I have done them to lose. But John Harbaugh has these boys fighting. 
Robert Jackson, Chris Westry, Justin Matabuke, Geno Stone, the defense, Tyler Huntley. Damn it. I think they come out in this game, and I think they win. I think they win outright. I'm going Ravens money line. I don't even need the points. Ravens money line to win this football game. Give me the boosted odds on that because I don't need the two and a half. John Harbaugh kicks the Bengals down back where they belong, and the Ravens help to start seal their fate for another playoff berth. It's a tough, ugly game. It's not fun, but they just (laughs) muddy it up enough to walk out of Cincinnati with, I don't know, let's call it 17-16, and we're all loving life. I love that so much. I love it so much, Tim, because I agree with you. This team has fought. They've exceeded expectations. They've been in every game except for that one you know, other game against the Cincinnati Bengals, whatever. I think they – I agree with you. I think they go into Cincinnati. I think the Bengals have not looked great over the last few weeks. And I think the Ravens go in there and oh, first of all, let me back up. I've been wrong on them every week, and, and I can't. I, I, I don't know. There's nothing I can do about it uh, because of these. The games have ended so bizarrely that it sort of has, has negated what the actual line of the games is. The Ravens Packers game that line was nine and a half at kickoff, and the Ravens coulda shoulda won straight up. They're a better team than anybody wants to give them credit for. They're they're scrapping and clawing and trying to win these games. Harbaugh, you're so right, Tim. He's, he's got these guys fighting. And they need this game bad, and I think they take it back. I think they win in Cincinnati. I don't even I don't even know if I want those two and a half points. They're just winning. Money line. Money line. And they take, uh, take back first place in the AFC North. My other picks this week, uh, I had a 3-0 week last week, so I then promptly had an 0-3 week this week because that's how things go. But I'm feeling confident about this week, feeling confident about my Ravens pick. I'm also taking the Los Angeles Rams, minus three at the Minnesota Vikings. Not a believer in Minnesota, uh, and I think the Rams in a dome are going to put up some points, and I think they're going to win that handily. And then I'm doing a tease with some of the games that you guys have already mentioned. I'm essentially taking the three best teams in the National Football League, and I'm giving them six-point cushions. So I'm taking Kansas City, minus four against the Pittsburgh Steelers. All these teams are at home, by the way. So Kansas City, minus four against the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Dallas Cowboys, minus four and a half against the Washington football team. Sorry, Chris. (laughs) And Green Bay, minus one and a half against the Cleveland Browns. This is, I mean, you know, I haven't done it a lot this season because I've I've struggled a bit with, with my picks, I will admit. But this teases my lock it in tease of the season so sound the alarms you know in the back hammer it audio hammer it hammer it this is a three-team tease you bet a hundred dollars you win 160 this will cover so outside of anything i've said all season any of my picks it's this three-team teaser because the good teams when you're in december take care of business and these are three good teams against three not not very good teams and it's home situations i like them all kansas city down to minus four Dallas minus four and a half and Green Bay minus one and a half. And you have yourself like a Merry Christmas weekend with all that all that cash that you take home. That's it for us. Last thing to do, answer this oh my gosh, answer this random raven. 
Tim, can you read us those uh, those clues one more time? Yeah, we'll make this quick because I'm not sure you guys are going to get this one. Uh, this is probably the hardest one I've ever done. And you did get Billy Bajima, so credit to you there. Uh, this player is the third player ever drafted by the Ravens. He was selected in the second round of the 1996 NFL draft out of Tennessee. Obviously, the first two picks being Hall of Famers, Jonathan Ogden and Ray Lewis. He spent four years in Baltimore, finishing his time with the Ravens with 191 tackles and two interceptions. He started a total of 15 games across his first three seasons, but matched that total in his final season in 1999. He only lasted two more seasons in the NFL after leaving Baltimore, one in San Diego, one in Tennessee. Three years later, in 2004, he signed with the Arena Football League's Austin Wranglers. He uh, also played with the Nashville Cats in the AFL. He wore the same number as Chris Carr, Asa Jackson, and Tavon Young. He is now a co-host on HGTV's Flipper Flop Nashville with real estate broker Paige Turner, which premiered in January 2018. And he shares a last name with an incredibly viral internet video that stars, and we'll just say it, Leroy Jenkins. <laughs> so there's there's part of the clue, Jace. Do you want to try and guess the first name? Well, so the name that kept uh, popping into my head was Malcolm Jenkins, but that's a guy in the NFL right now, I believe. <laughs> the other name that came to me was David, but I don't know that that's right. Um, yeah, David Jenkins. <laughs> you know what? It is not David Jenkins, but it is a D. So oh, okay. pretty close anyway. It is Deron Jenkins. D-E capital R-O-N. Deron Jenkins. Tim, you never gave me an opportunity to guess the who the random random Oh, I did said, you know, I, unless you had an epiphany over the last 20 minutes or so. I, I just did figured not. you did I not. Did not. I did have the Jenkins, though, so I, I'm proud of my internet interneting. Good I meme. Let's recognize. do this, boys. Uh, <laughs> I did recognize Jenkins, but that is a random Raven, Tim. A fantastic choice, it, it, I mean, you know, regardless of us not knowing this guy. If the listener, honestly, was able to grab this, let us know, and we will feature you prominently uh, on next week's episode i'm gonna assume it's a listener like over the age of 40 i don't know it's gotta be somebody who was was maybe more aware of the individual players uh in 1999 um but a fantastic pick anything else guys as we close out here this team man this team (laughs) every week uh my advice is uh you know get yourself your favorite one o'clock beverage, whatever that is, take a breath, take a heart pill, you know, something like that. Just uh, get your bare aspirin going before this game starts. Uh, and just trust, trust Harbaugh and, and those guys to, to end the slide and get something done here and get a win for this Ravens team, trying to scratch and claw their way to a postseason berth. For Jace Evans and Tim Morrissey, I am Antonio Farbera. Thank you, as always, for listening to us on Pod Like a Raven. We will see you next
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.